with another episode of Elite Journalism, Women Leading America's Intelligentsia. We're here to discuss the powerhouses of academia and, and journalism within the populist think tank apparatus of American society. We're looking at those contributors who are women, who further the true discussion of our living record, true journalism, elite journalists, the heaviest hitting track records of our of, of reporting all those ver- verboten subjects we're not allowed to discuss. Uh, welcome back. Walking in the sky keeps falling down We're starting to notice the sound Everything around me hits the ground Human Events Daily. I say it at least once or twice a week. I've been saying it since the Mar-a-Lago raid took place. They were looking for those documents. They didn't care what was actually on the scene. They didn't care about these actual questions about obstruction. They didn't care about, oh, you know, are we, are we really protecting the secrets of the country? Because remember, Mar-a-Lago is controlled by the Secret Service. So it's, I don't even want to entertain any of these ideas for a second, but just keep in mind that all of Mar-a-Lago, the entire facility, is controlled by the Secret Service. The Secret Service, which are, which are ordered to do what? Oh, that's right, protect national security. So no, there's no, nobody's walking in and, you know, you listen to Rachel Maddow and she she'll, has these crazy ideas, Joy Reid and, and, um, you know, Chris Hayes, these guys, Ari Melber even, you know, Ari used to be good, but he's, he's gotten completely insane lately. He's just got off the deep end for the liberal wine moms that usually just watch Jake Tapper, that this, they are sitting there thinking that Trump is actually selling uh, our secrets. No, no. Here's what's going on, okay? Here's what's actually going on. They want to stop Trump from being reelected, and they will pull out every stop to make sure they can do so. Did you know, by the way, that a second grand jury has already been impaneled down in Florida to go through all of this? So they've expanded the investigation so much that they said, you know, one grand jury isn't enough in Washington, D.C. We're going to have another grand jury down in Florida so we can indict everyone around Trump as well. That way we make sure that the populist movement, the nationalist movement, the movement of people that aren't directly tied to the oligarchs, to the money, uh, the moneyed interests, the special interests, the multinational groups, anyone who actually stands up and threatens them, anyone who's standing in their way is going to be taken out. And it's as simple as that. And if you read this situation, is anything else? And we've been telling you, by the way, we had Richard Barris on this week. What news do we break? That there are political strategists out there on the Republican side of the aisle that have been telling donors, don't worry about the polls that all say Donald Trump is in the lead, that all say Donald Trump is up 30 points, he's up 40 points, he's up 50 points. Don't worry about that. Why? Because we got something in our back pocket. We got an ace up the sleeve. Donald Trump, come here. Come here, he's going to get indicted. He's going to get indicted. And they might even put him in handcuffs this time. They didn't give us the perp walk in New York like he was supposed to. They didn't give us the mugshot 
like they were supposed to. Alvin Bragg didn't do it, but you know what? He's going to get indicted again. A federal indictment, a bigger indictment than the New York one. And they're going to come out there and they're going to say, how can you vote for a guy like this? He's been indicted by Merrick Garland. He's been indicted by the Department of Justice. He's been indicted by our legal system, our legal system that you must trust, the FBI that would never steer you wrong, the federal government that would never, ever lie to you. You know, I said something at CPAC earlier this year. I'll say it again right now. There's one man in this country who is, and this is just true, all right? This is just true. So call me whatever you want, but I'm going to say the truth. There is one man in this country that's been lied about, that's been smeared, that's been defamed, that's been investigated, that's been prosecuted, that's been persecuted more than everyone else in the last 100 years. And his name is Donald Trump. And if this system hates him so much, if every single one of, every, every acronym agency, every agency with an acronym inside and outside of government hates him, if they hate him that much, what does that tell you about what he represents and more importantly, who he represents? The people of this country who have been screwed over for a generation. You've seen your jobs get sent overseas. You've had to train foreign workers to replace you at your own job, your own workplace. Disney was doing that. They're doing that all throughout California, the H-1Bs. All the wealth that's gone to China. And then we sit there and question, why has it happened? How has this happened to our country? When pedophiles are running wild on Instagram and TikTok, and apparently the federal government says, oh, well, Section 230, we're not going to do anything about that. Are you kidding me? Are you actually kidding me? Are you out of your minds? What if we get together and we decide that we're going to support a populist candidate to actually go in and clean up some of this mess and do something about it? Oh, we're going to indict him. Why? Because, um, you know, he, he misfiled his paperwork. Are you kidding me? Do you actually understand how much of a powder keg you would be setting off in this country if you tried to prevent a man like that from duly standing for office in this country? You know what I say? Bring it. Come on, bring it. Let's go. Let's go. You want to do this? Let's do it. Go ahead, indict him. Go ahead, indict him. Put him on trial. Oh, have your little jury, your little D.C. jury pool with all the D.C. liberals with the blue hairs up there saying, oh, you know, look at this guy. He's orange. Guilty. Guilty. Banging your gavels. You try it. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Because you know what? We see you for who you are. We've seen what you've done to the Jan 6 defendants. We've seen you what you've done to the detainees. We've seen what you've done to the good, the pro-life movement in this country, the people like Tim Ballard in this country. Do you think for a second the people of this country are going to sit there and just let you do it in front of our eyes? Bring it. You want this? You want this? You got it. All right, I want to take a quick moment to tell you guys about our partnership with our friends over at MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply, go and support them. Uh, I'm told that we now have the great 
Julie Kelly. Do we have Julie, guys? We do. Okay, great. Julie, I'd love to get you on. And look, you have been out in front on this of talking about the indictment of President Trump. You've been, and I always, whenever we bring it up, I say, look, I'm, this ain't me. This is Julie who's been saying it. We've got the breaking news right now. John Solomon, of course, the great John Solomon gets it before the rest of us, um, that it looks like this is going to be coming next week. Particularly on the Mar-a-Lago case, you've also been focused on the fact that they could be going after him for the Insurrection Act as well off of January 6th. Julie, what does it say that we're that we're at a point like this? What is your reaction to this news? So, um, I mean, I'm not surprised. As you know, Jack, I've been warning for months, really more than a year, after having followed the January 6th prosecution, this retaliatory, abusive criminal investigation into a four-hour disturbance on January 6, 2021. Uh, this is a prosecution that has now ensnared at least a 1,000 American citizens who protested Joe Biden's election now, what, 29 months ago? More than 29 months ago? Um, but I, I, I've warned people that this was all sort of optics and building the legal case towards indicting President Trump both for the events of January 6th and now what looks like will be criminal indictments related to his handling of classified documents. Um, and so I do believe, I thought maybe it was going to be this week, Jack, the indictments on the uh, classified documents. But um, it looks like Jack Smith might have uh, hit a little snag in terms of venue issues and now has impaneled a grand jury in Florida where any obstruction indictment uh, really legally should come from. So John Solomon is probably right. It probably will be uh, next week. It looks like most of the classified document investigation has wrapped up in D.C. Uh, uh, they had some uh, more witness testimony today. So people should not be shocked to see a multi-count criminal indictment against uh, Donald Trump next week, only for classified documents, not for January 6th, which will be coming. Now, let, let me let me look at that for a second and tease that out if we can. Would that, I mean, obviously this is, we're in completely uncharted waters here. This has never been done before. Mm -hmm. No former president has ever been charged federally with anything. Um, would you then be leaning towards seeing, a, or could President Trump be potentially looking at charges in D.C. and Florida through this separate uh, grand jury? Is that something that could potentially happen? Right. So uh, Special Counsel Jack Smith is investigating both uh, events separately, the classified documents case and January 6th. The January 6th criminal indictment will come from D.C. That's where all the activity has been. Jack Smith was appointed in November. He sort of picked up where DOJ had left off or not left off to give the impression, Jack, that the DOJ is independent and that Jack Smith would work independently. Of course, he is not. Uh, so those criminal indictments will come from Jack Smith out of D.C. probably now next month or August. The classified documents indictments could be both D.C. for taking classified documents. Kind of depends on when he took them or when they were sent. Was he still president? Did he take them on the plane with him? When did this all transpire? But aside from just the classified documents, mishandling, allegedly mishandling, Smith has been building an obstruction case. And Jack, any obstruction case would have to be tied to events at Mar-a-Lago, including meetings with his attorney, meeting with uh, federal investigators, and anything he would have directed his staff at Mar-a-Lago to do with boxes allegedly containing those classified documents. But as I tweeted today, it looks like Smith might also pursue an 
espionage uh, charge, violating the Espionage Act, uh, where he would accuse Trump of using classified documents to sort of undermine the security of the United States. But look, people cannot put anything past this DOJ against Jack Smith, against uh, Beryl Howell, who's the chief judge, was the chief judge in the D.C. District Court, uh, who has acted as a rubber stamp for the DOJ, and Jack Smith. So this is uh, quite the legal peril for the president. And Jack, for all the times we've heard the walls are closing in on Donald Trump, this time, unfortunately, it's true. And and it's going to be a twofer. It's going to be classified documents and then the big one, which will be January 6th indictment. No, I, I think you're exactly right, Julie. And look, you know, I, I say this on the show. I've said it every time, and, and it's not even my line. It comes from my wife. Um, so, you know, I've, I've made no uh, abrasions about it that my, my wife was born in the Soviet Union. She comes from that part of the world. She came to the U.S. to get away from this type of thing, uh, to get away from this type of government. And she said that when she saw that raid at Mar-a-Lago, we're coming up on a break, but when she saw that raid at Mar-a-Lago, she said, you know what? I know what comes next. I know exactly what comes next. Next comes, oh, it turns out he was corrupt and turns out that he broke this law and this law. And the next thing that comes are the handcuffs and then he's let off. And then eventually uh, we never hear from him again and he's never anywhere near the levers of power, the levers of government. And he just kind of is a person, you know, is a name that used to be around and then he goes away. And you know what? In the Soviet Union, that's exactly what would happen. And if you're from any part of the world that operates that way, you've seen this movie a million times. So buckle up, everybody. Uh, come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana, because I guess we are a banana republic now. This, this is something I never thought that I would see. I never thought my children would be raised in a country like this. We're coming up on a heartbreak. But I want to hold you over, Julie, if we can, because I want to get into your latest on January 6th, because I agree with you that we need to be reading all these January 6th cases as driving towards the future indictment of President Trump. People need to put it in context. They are building out a network. They're building out a playbook. They want to use this Insurrection Act. And given what we've seen today, it seems like it's probably going to happen. They love our country, and they love our way of life. Go to Public Square. That's publicsq.com. You can join. You'll be connected to all of these businesses from all kinds of different industries that support you, support your family. Folks, go to Public Square, publicsq.com. Join the movement now. Julie Kelly, I got to say it. You know, people are people are saying, Poso, how can you go there? I said, you know what? You know what? Come, Mr. Tallyman. Tally me banana, daylight come and we want to go home. We are a banana republic. We should all just start singing the yes. song. I want to make that the new theme song of the show here because I just want to play that every day. Every time I hear something new about the January 6th cases, every time I hear something about President Trump's cases, it's, it's a joke. This is something that every president does. This, it's, not even worth, it's not even worth getting into and engaging on the case. But, Julie, what can you tell us is the latest on the January 6th front? So they are arresting people today. I'm getting reports just right now of new arrests related to uh, criminal conduct, alleged criminal conduct by Trump supporters on January 6th. So this prosecution is nowhere near its end. Matthew Graves, the D.C. U.S. attorney, he already has a caseload of more than 1,000 defendants. He has promised to double that caseload. Um, and as I said, this is to build both a legal and you know, publicity 
uh, momentum towards charging Trump. Trump is not the only one at risk, though, Jack. Let's talk about this. If he is charged with seditious conspiracy for January 6th, again, separate from the classified documents probe, or even conspiracy to obstruct Congress, which is another common charge, um, you can't have a conspiracy with one person. That's the law. There will have to be at least, they would have to have at least one other person. Who would that person be? Could it be John Eastman? Could it be someone like Jeffrey Clark? Could it be numerous members of Congress who were, of course, involved in that day, that day in disputing the Electoral College vote results in uh, at least six states? That is another area of very risky legal territory created by this Biden regime, this ruthless DOJ, this uh, Democratic hack, Matthew Graves, who at the same time as he's arresting J6ers, he's letting uh, Washington, D.C. to descend into violent chaos every day. He's responsible for prosecuting local crimes as well. So when you say Banana Republic, I say that often. I even use a little banana emoji um, on Twitter. It, and it's not just what the prosecutors are doing, Jack. It is what the judges are doing, what they are allowing these outrageous uh, charges that they are allowing DOJ to bring forward on January 6ers and uh, excessive prison sentences for nonviolent offenders. When you say Banana Republic, it's true, and we are just getting started. And when people see Donald Trump in handcuffs, I don't think for classified documents, but for January 6th, especially if he faces a seditious conspiracy count, um, people had better prepare themselves because it's very likely that that will happen. We've also been told, by the way, by the FBI, and I've never in the history of the FBI have I heard something like this before, that they're preparing over 1,000 new indictments against people just for walking mm -hmm. around on the lawn on January 6th. Julie, that, that can't possibly be true, can it? A thousand more. Yes, that's what Matthew more. Grace, that's what I, I was just saying. A thousand more cases. They already have close to probably 1,100 now. So Matthew Grace told the Washington Post he was going to double that. The uh, Federal uh, Public Defender's Office has been notified that they needed to prepare for a thousand more defendants. A lot of these people are reliant on public defenders or court-appointed attorneys. In fact, Jack, one judge announced his retirement. Thank God, Judge Thomas Hogan. He should have retired a long time ago, Reagan appointee. But he said he wanted to retire instead of spending the next five or six years adjudicating January 6 cases. This has swamped the D.C. District Court. You'd be hard-pressed to look at the D.C. District Court um, schedule every day and not see at least 75 percent of the court proceedings in the courthouse tied to January 6. This is how our nation's capital, our nation's capital legal and judicial system is spending its time uh, going after mostly low-level misdemeanor cases, as I said, to punish Americans, to build the legal and public momentum, to charge Donald Trump and others tied to him, possibly including Republican members of Congress. Like we, we read Solzhenitsyn, we read the Gulag Archipelago, and we're told that in the Soviet Union these were times of grave injustice and that this would never happen again, that we'd never see it, that we'd drive it out, that the United States, we just had D-Day. We just had the anniversary of D-Day where we said we were fighting for freedom. We're going to honor those sacrifices. How are we honoring the sacrifices for freedom when we're locking up people for walking around with little American flags and standing on the lawn? Julie Kelly, final minute here. Where can people go to get 
what you're working on and get your coordinates. Thanks so much, Jeff, for having me on. All of my work is at American Greatness and Greatness.com. I post a lot of breaking news, which there is every day, related to these investigations at my Twitter page, Julie underscore Kelly 2. And I will have a new column up uh, on Friday talking about Jack Smith's compromised independent team of investigators and prosecutors, which, of course, is not the case. Thank you so much, Julie Kelly. Thank you for your time. Everyone go. So we have to just go out of our way here to point out the work of Julie Kelly and American Greatness, amgreatness.com, American Greatness, and all of her work. And she is truly a real American journalist, uh, not one that gets Pulitzer Prizes or whatever. Uh, she's not going to get the Walter Durante war Award, right? These aren't, these aren't the corporate commercialized distributors of propaganda and brainwash that are, that are ultimately there just to steer the world. Like Walter Durante hiding the Holodomor, hiding the the slow starvation and, and destruction of 50 million, I mean, who knows, innumerable millions of Ukrainians. And today, these same journalists, they love the microphone, they love to stand there and get their fat paychecks and stand in front of the audience in the limelight and get the attention, but they cannot be prevailed upon to speak one utterance of the truth, not a single syllable of the truth that's going on with uh, Ukraine. Where is the money? Whereas the like hundred billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that we sent over to Ukraine to supposedly repel Russia, uh, you know this entire process of watching the color revolutions come into place. When uh, you know you can see the the imagery. So back when Senator John McCain was still alive and involved there in Ukraine, it was uh, the policy of course Biden uh, being in the Senate too. It was the policy of the United States government to overthrow Ukraine's government and to put in a Washington, D.C.-based, a Washington, D.C.-controlled individual there, Zelensky, place him into the into power in Ukraine. And, of course, this was very much against the, the interests of, of Russia. And so you can see that the establishment, the deep state establishment, has been pushing up against Russia for a very long time, constantly crossing their red lines, constantly pushing up against their, their border, constantly as far as introducing these Fauci-esque and disturbing bioweapons labs where they're going to do gain-of-function research and try to find out if they can make deadly pathogens. And they're just doing this miles away from you know, Russia's border. So you can expect them eventually to be provoked and to take these steps that they're in where, as far as uh, trying to you know, push back against the political energies from Washington, D.C. that are usurping Russia's hegemony in the region. And so it was Washington, D.C. who pushed this, us into war. It wasn't you in your particular county or your particular state, but it was the, the amalgamation of all the, the work and it was the, the buildup of all the, the quiet clandestine operations you know, by the CIA that had been overthrowing elected officials in countries for a long time. And you can see that they simply turned their, their mechanisms inward on the United States illegally and decided to overthrow the 2020 election. And you can expect this to be the pattern that's going to repeat. And now they're not able to ultimately overthrow Donald Trump utterly and, and the movement, the political movement behind him. So they're going to going to use the deep state ultimately to defend against the the encroachment of some other candidates, some populist uh, American, a, a democratic, democratically elected candidate of the American people. They're going to defend against uh, that, that possibly happening by refusing to uh, show these documents that the FBI has that show that Hunter Biden and the Biden crackhead crime family were ultimately taking millions of dollars of payments from Poland or just throughout the world, uh, even before they really gotten in, in, stuck in this U Ukraine debacle that we're stuck in. They were taking millions and millions of dollars. 
from just uh, whoever would want to pay to play and to influence um, U.S. policy. And so this is kind of the disturbing and destructive, corrupt nature of Washington, D.C. And now with uh, these weaklings, these corrupt and polluted political leaders that we have that are utterly incapable of controlling their own avarice or directing the the, the country, and, and they, they don't they don't want to give up power, but they don't want to allow uh, leaders to take over who can lead America in the right direction. So we're simultaneously holding down and pinning down our destiny into this kind of managed decline and deliberate decline of our economy through the policies of Joe Biden and the Obamaites, the Obama worshipers that are up there in Washington, D.C., and they're going to defend against the exposure of Biden as a corrupt criminal enterprise, and they're going to simultaneously attack Trump by trying to do everything they can to indict him with 50 indictments and put him in prison for the rest of his life when he is really actually the real elected president of the United States. You have to recognize that, well, if you're wrong and Biden didn't win that election and was totally fraudulent, industrial scale overthrow of our election system and and a, a poisoning of our democratic system here in the United States, just to give the, the policies of Hillary Clinton and Obama and these other deep state atrocities to give life to their policies around the world in order to you know further American decline and further the empowerment of a global world order that we see coming into place. And that's why it's so important for them to preserve the gains they made with the World Health Organization and to allow China to take over the economic hegemony of the world through the World Trade Organization. So they, they have to allow these mechanisms to exist, even if they're responsible now for edging America closer to our demise. And so now we have to resist these global organizations, we have to maintain our nationalism as a sovereign country, and we have to work hard to somehow put in... <laughs> You know, elect somehow through all this interference, elect leaders who can ultimately right the ship and bring America back into economic independence and fiscal sovereignty and financial financial strength and power, out of which is the only position which we can defend ourselves against the rest of the world. The OPEC-aligned nations, the CCP uh, sellouts who are just going to put up with a, a world of uh, Nazi-like Holocaust and Holodomor atrocities being committed against Uyghurs and just whoever else, the, the pigs, the sickening Dr. Mengele's of the CCP, whoever they decide to focus on and destroy, who, who knows how many uh, Taiwanese are going to end up in these kind of camps, have their organs sold, have themselves, you know, ex- have their lives extinguished and their futures and their destinies destroyed. I mean, look what's happening in Hong Kong. So we have a major contest in the world. And our leaders are bringing us to ruin in the middle of that contest. They're bringing our economic strength, our military strength, and our, our political integrity has completely diluted and watered down because these, these uh, you know, Chuck Schumers and Mitch McConnells of the world, they have to pretend like they go up in front of the microphones and pretend like they're directing and leading the America honestly in the right direction. But the, on the other hand, they have to take these payouts. They have to constantly take the whatever money is being flown into their shell corporations or whatever they got going on, whatever you know, Hunter Biden operations these people are all using to steal the American people, steal us blind and rob us blind, has to be exposed. So it's time for us to find individuals who are not going to be sold out to taking paper, you know, paper money in order to turn to blind eye, in order to not fulfill the obligations and duties of their office that they swore an oath to do, to look the other way while corrupt and dangerous activities happen in the United States in order to to bring America down. You know, as long as they get their payments, right? The dying fine signs of the world, as long as they get their their payments and their money, 
and they run off, just like if you, you witness with Nancy Pelosi, as long as she gets her, you know, how much is she worth now? $250 million, right? As long as she gets to walk away with her $250 million or $300 million, whatever, billions of dollars, Obama's, how much are they worth? A billion now? As long as they get to skate by pulling off their weird Solyndra corruption maneuvers so they can bankrupt companies, bankrupt nations, like a Burisma. You know, they just, they, ultimately, they just were paying Hunter Biden just to make the problems with Washington, D.C. go away. So as long as we're in this condition, we're, we're in the, the ship of state is taking a nosedive straight from 50,000 feet straight into the ground. And we have to recognize that this is the end. This is the end of our country if we don't do what it takes to, to get rid of these corrupt and traitorous leaders in Washington, D.C. And to that end, we have to, like we said, introduce the interesting perspective of Julie Kelly and her journalistic work, another incredible American original. And we, we only have journalism like this, and we only have profound thinkers and elite thinkers amongst the, the American intelligentsia. And, and we're focusing on those courageous minds who happen to be women journalists. Like I said, when we look around the, the journalism of the rest of the world through, I guess there's some unique individuals, but by and large, the world is, is a silent and is empty of any you know women journalism uh, journalists who have the the acumen and the composure and the courage and the comprehension of the issues in order to take the information to the american people and so only here in america do we have women who have reached this level of excellence and it's in this environment in this democratic constitutional republic here in america created by by protestants and free men who were working hard to Make sure that their children wouldn't be enslaved to, to the nobility and to the, the ubiquitous terrors of the Inquisition and the papal throne that sought to enslave the entire world to their religious cultic rituals there in Rome. And so we can see that we have very courageous people here in America, very courageous women especially, beautiful, profoundly intelligent, and courageous who are going to take the, the mantle of the freedom of speech and the freedom of the journalistic press and the expression of the truth, even in t times when uh, the expression of the truth is a revolutionary act. So we have to listen to more to our elite journalists like Julie Kelly. <laughs> So now it's time for a word from our sponsor. And as you know, our sponsor is courageously helping us to keep our show going here. So it's wendyslimited.com. Wendyslimited.com. So wendyslimited.com. Wendyslimited.com has all the hottest new styles and couture trends and latest boutique women's apparel and shoes and heels and flats and all kinds of just wonderful stuff. You have hives and honey uh, jewelry armoire. It's been a favorite lately. And we have, of course, Windsor crystal uh, lamps. I have one, uh, one in stock in particular that has been a favorite. So Wendy'sLimit.com is always open to help you get everything you need. Awesome Prada purse that we uh, saw that, that uh, Wendy's Limited just put up. So we have to think who out there wants to get incredible Prada. Fashion Couture. 
you know, that um, from what I hear, they're a favorite of many, many ladies out there, many women all over the place. In fact, I think you cannot find a single family member or wife or sister or aunt or grandmother or loved one or girlfriend or what have you that uh, does not love Prada purses. So if you want to be totally awesome, you have to eventually come to grips with wendyslimited.com. Wendy's Boutique Limited has all the hottest new styles and latest women's apparel, everything you need to be totally awesome. If you're a woman or if you have a, a woman who's someone that you love, and of course we all love women because they're just so awesome. That's why Wendy'sLimited.com is so successful. So go check out Wendy's Boutique. Wendy'sLimited.com is the only place to go. And we have to recommend she's been totally 100% awesome to us and generous so we are always going to be buying our jewelry fine jewelry gold gold and silver jewelry and all of our best boutique couture and designer trends are we're going to go to wendyslimited.com so check out wendy's boutique limited of you who are old enough to remember, I sat in my home in suburban Chicago and watched with horror and shock and heartbreak at what was unfolding on the TV in front of me. Um, at the time, uh, my oldest child, my daughter, was 10 months old, and I remember thinking two things. Um, what sort of world are we creating, what sort of world is she going to grow up in? What's going to happen to our future? What's going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to the world? And I also remember being so grateful that she was too young to explain what was happening. Well, here I am, 21 years later. She is here with me today, Victoria. She just started her first year in law school. And never did I think 21 years later that I would be explaining to her how our government is turning the weapons of war the first set of tools and authority created after 9-11 to go after international foreign terrorists now being aimed at half the country um, and using those weapons in a truly dis disgraceful, destructive, and dangerous way. Now, how we are using that war on terror against the political right, especially Trump supporters, is the pretext for that is the four-hour disturbance at Capitol Hill on January 6th 2021. Um, when our government and the ground zero for this war against terror, war on terror against the American right, is the U.S. Department of Justice. They consider what happened on January 6th an act of terror. Christopher Wray, FBI director, sat before the U.S. Senate in March of 2021 and said that the FBI considers what happened on January 6th an act of domestic terror. And they have since then treated any American, even tangentially involved in what happened that day, from Donald Trump down to Indiana grandmothers, veterans, college students, as domestic terrorists. What does that involve? Well, the same, the same tools, the same capabilities. In many ways, it has been expanded and enhanced. This is surveillance tools. This is prosecutorial tools. It involves torture and it involves a special prison. 
in the nation's capital, what I refer to as the DC Gitmo. Um, not only did Christopher Wray designate January 6th an act of domestic terror, earlier this year, Matthew Olson, who is the head of the National Security Division, um, announced that nobody asked, of course, no one in Congress asked him, no one certainly authorized it, that he was creating a domestic terror unit within the National Security Division. Um, now, it's not really going after real terrorists, real people who are terrorizing the country. Um, it is designated to go after people on the political right. So what I've been doing since really a few days after January 6th is covering the DOJ's really abusive, vengeful, escalating, and unprecedented criminal investigation into what happened on January 6th. Of course, we see this with Donald Trump, the unprecedented raid at Mar-a-Lago, where the FBI stole thousands of documents, 99% of which had nothing to do with January 6th or even what the FBI allegedly was looking for. Not only did they steal those documents, now they are trying to prevent anyone, including a court and the special master issue, from looking at the hundred or so documents that the DOJ and FBI claim are classified material. Um, so, of course, we know that they're going directly after Donald Trump, just like they have been, his family, his lawyers, his associates, uh, Republican lawmakers who support him. There were more subpoenas issued last week, uh, a few dozen actually, because they have now, are now conducting a criminal investigation into the Save America PAC, which of course has nothing to do with January 6th, um, but it does not matter. But what I have more alarmingly been covered is how this investigation, this persecution has targeted now nearly 900 American citizens. They have had their homes raided by the FBI. They have confronted dozens of armed FBI agents inside their house as the FBI ransacks their home. They've been terrorized in front of their children. FBI agents have pointed rifles at elderly women as they stand outside in their nightgown as they're trying to arrest their husband on nonviolent charges. Um, SWAT vehicles are involved, and in some cases... Five words you pronounce wrong two years before your brain starts shutting down. Dementia is now known as type 3 diabetes, according to the Mayo Clinic, where doctors have made a shocking discovery that changes everything we know about memory loss and mental decline. So if you or a loved one is often forgetting things or suffering with brain fog, then you must see this. After 3,400 brain... ...are involved, and in some cases... These people are sent to a special prison in Washington, D.C. that has been set aside specifically to incarcerate January 6th protesters. Some of those men don't even face violent charges. They're not accused of assaulting police. They're not accused of vandalizing the building. No pre-planning. Um, this is merely a campaign of terror unleashed by this Justice Department. And it's not ending. They're announcing new arrests every week, believe it or not. The events of 2020, things, events, riots that actually terrorized Americans, that actually resulted in fatalities and destruction, um, that's been completely, not, not just memory hold by this DOJ, they're dropping cases related to the 2020 riots. Um, so amazingly what this DOJ has done, with the consent, by the way, of DC judges of both parties, 
judges appointed by Donald Trump, all the way, if you can believe it, to two Ronald Reagan appointees. Um, they have been signing off on basically everything this DOJ is asking for, including pretrial detention orders for nonviolent offenders. There will be some men who will be incarcerated, denied bail for almost two years before they have a chance to defend themselves in trial. Now, of course, the worst part of this is these trials are happening in Washington, D.C., where the DOJ now has an undefeated record before D.C. juries, all guilty verdicts, unanimous guilty verdicts, of course, on uh, every single count on every single January 6th defendant in record time. So, of course, with this knowledge, a lot of these people who have been uh, apprehended and charged are forced into terrible plea deals because they know they have no shot in front of these D.C. juries. So what are some of the counts that this DOJ is going after people for? Obstruction of an official proceeding. I believe that this will be the felony count that um, they will eventually indict Donald Trump on. Um, conspiracy. And then the parading in the Capitol. Parading in the Capitol, a Class B low-level misdemeanor, which usually... Uh, Somebody gets a slap on the wrist if they're charged with it, and they're on their way. Not so for January 6ers. This DOJ has sought months in prison for people who either plead or are convicted of this parading misdemeanor. What's worse is what's happening with the obstruction count. You have DOJ coming back asking for years in prison. Some of you might remember Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman who had the, the horns and the face paint. He... Um, Languished in solitary confinement for 317 days until this DOJ tormented him into a plea deal on obstruction. He was allowed into the building. He was talking with police officers. It's all on tape. Uh, DOJ asked for 41 to 51 months in prison, and uh, Royce Lambert, a judge appointed by Ronald Reagan, uh, sentenced him to 41 months in prison. What's worse now is with these convictions before these D.C. juries, DOJ now, run by, of course, Merrick Garland, uh, the deputy DOJ, uh, deputy attorney general is Lisa Monaco. For those of you who are experts in intelligence, I'm sure her name is familiar. A longtime uh, Barack Obama loyalist who is now running the day-to-day -day, uh, details of this prosecution. Um, they are going back and asking for domestic terror sentencing enhancements for Americans, regardless of what they did on January 6th. This is to give the legal imprimatur that whoever is sentenced, either plea deal or convicted, is a domestic terrorist. And of course, this is only um, getting worse. So I could go on and on, of course, I, for days. But you can find my reporting at amgreatness.com. I've been reporting on this really since a few days after January 6th. The question is, what do we do? Um, this is a huge issue for the base, as everyone knows. They understand what this DOJ is doing. They understand what this FBI is capable of doing. Um, there was just a poll conducted last month where 68% of Republicans said that they do not trust the Department of Justice or the FBI. They think that it's corrupt and cannot be trusted. Think about what a shift that represents in just a generation. I mean, this never would have been something, a response, that we would have expected from Republican voters 10 or 20 years ago. Um, but of course, our biggest problem is a Republican leadership who refuses to acknowledge and admit and confront what is happening with this DOJ and this FBI, aside from writing a few mean letters 
and posting a few harsh tweets on social media. That's not a solution. And because this DOJ and FBI was never held accountable for Crossfire Hurricane or anything that it's done, really for the six-year period since Donald Trump uh, was running for president, this is now accelerated in a really dangerous way. So what should Republicans do if they take control of the House or Senate? Um, number one, they need to shut down the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. This is the poison pill in the entire operation. It's run by a man named Matthew Graves. He was appointed by Joe Biden. He was a Joe Biden campaign advisor. He is the one responsible for the 900-plus prosecutions plus this crazy sentencing. Shut down the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. There's no need to have a federal prosecutor. They're going after Republicans, either lawmakers, the former president, or Americans across the country. Also, the FBI is irredeemably corrupt. It is not salvageable. Look no further than the Whitmer fednapping hoax, as I call it, and what the FBI did to stitch together a random group of innocent men to create this mirage that white supremacist militiamen tied to Donald Trump posed a lethal threat to the country, and also what they did to interfere in the 2020 election, because, of course, those arrests were announced as millions of Americans were voting for president. The larger question, one I'm sure we'll talk about forever, uh, or at least until November of 2022, is how we force and compel a Republican leadership to confront this, to come up with a detailed plan of how they will shut down this operation, protect American citizens who are being unfairly prosecuted, having their lives destroyed, and more importantly, restore faith in the American people that our top law enforcement agency is trustworthy, not corrupt, and not acting as an enforcement arm of the Democratic Party. Thank you. One of the fascinating details about that discussion is it was eight months ago. Eight long months ago. And that was at a time when we hadn't, when Kevin McCarthy hadn't sold out our advantage and the only, the financial strings that we had to, to, to pull the levers of, of, of control that we had in the negotiation. I mean, those are all gone. So it, this, the discussion from Julie Kelly will sound very much different now as we desperately flail without any ability here to address the DOJ. I mean, they got threatened with the possibility of a contempt hearing and they showed the do, a redacted document. But in the end, uh, it did not, none of it was really uh, important because the, the fact is, is there's no more advantage. There's no more ability for the Republicans now to go and pull back finances from the FBI or pull back money to ultimately control these investigations or the direction of this corrupt, weaponized government. The, the only power that we really had was to to make demands based on the debt ceiling. You know, we're waiting for, although the debt ceiling is important, the fact that our weaponized government is hunting down Donald Trump and conservatives is something that's uh, probably even more important than moving the, the dial forward on borrowing trillions more dollars that we can't pay back. So ultimately, we have to recognize here that the unprecedented danger that we're in is that there's no more accountability and the, the neo-Bolsheviks, the small number of apparatchiks that are in the, the positions of control and that, that can change the direction of the tracks on the levers of our American policy, who can put transgender flags all over the embassies, all over the entire world of the, you know, that represent the United States, and make Marines stand there all day and hold the doors and open the doors for people, right, and salute. You know, you know, so 
pretty soon they'll have us, uh, our kids, saying the Pledge of Allegiance to transgender flags in, in the classroom. I mean, where where does ultimately this end? Where do the American people ultimately stand up and resist? We have thousands and thousands of people being held in the Bastille in Washington, D.C. And these provocations are not just random, organic, naturally occurring events. These particular provocations are specifically designed to ultimately uh, provoke the American people and radicalize the people, the American citizens on the other side of the political spectrum who now they're castigating as terrorists, right? As homegrown white terrorists. So just a small number of insurrectionists within the government who are wolves in sheep's clothing heading you know important roles that require moral character and integrity that these individuals do not have because they're just there to serve their Fuhrer, serve Obama, and ultimately to further the the work to keep the curtain of ignorance up, you know, keep the intelligence community in America working to cover for the Bidens so that no one will, the, the, the wider majority of the audience who just stand there uh, smiling stupidly at the man uh, will not know the truth about his family and their past and their corrupt dealings and how basically they should be under arrest. And uh, I mean, the weird Q phenomenon was was kind of like on top of that the whole time, you know, just trying to uh, point out that the people that were gathering in Washington, D.C. ought to be under arrest and not being protected by the deep state mechanisms, the military government. So that's what the Americans need to recognize is that this new military government is not the de jure representative constitutional republic that we understand from the days of yore with, uh, you know, the ink well pens, the quill pens writing on the parchment documents. Um, so now we're in a, you know, a different world where the, the entire apparatus of the, the military government being introduced in, uh, in 1929 and, and, and ultimately in 1933, the whole plan is going to be ultimately complete where we're, we're going to have ousted the, the regular operations of the Constitutional Republic and the de jure representative of popular government in America. And we're going to move to emergency war powers under the war powers commander-in-chief. And so the, the commander-in-chief now has absolute power and you can see that they put Joe Biden in there and they're going to protect that position and that desk and that ability to, to get out the pen and write executive orders and veto documents and do all the things that, that the wartime commander in chief, the executive dictatorship of the Oval Office is ultimately going to be something that cannot be overthrown from without, from the American people. Because the Trading with the Enemy Act and the Emergency Banking Relief Act and all the other subsequent legislation and executive proclamations that have come extending this power, including the, the creation of Homeland Security itself and the Patriot Act. Fascinating. The Patriot Act is now ultimately the weapon that stands on, on top of the, the war powers military government after 9-11. And that, uh, that Patriot Act now reduces all American people simply to belligerents and occupied territories. So we are the, the weird natives. Now we're the, like the Apache Indians and the Pawnee and the, the Blackfoot and Crow Indians used to be. We're just people living on the land. And uh, this, this, this land is now occupied by a new military government that ousted the de jure operations, like we said, of the Constitutional Senate and the Republicans. So they, they have some kind of duties to stand there and, and pass more and more submission and acquiesce to the, the black budgets of the 
emergency war powers military government in Washington, D.C., to be specific. And uh, you can see now that uh, we have all these courts that are uh, Article One courts. I mean, ultimately, the judiciary is Article Three uh, in the Constitution. But now we have all these new magistrate judges and courts that were created by Article One legislation. So these are Article One legislation statute courts, right, that were just created recently. They're not really associated with the constitutional de jure Article Three judges that were actually laid out in the Constitution. So this is what we need to do. We need to get rid of all these unconstitutional operations in Washington D.C. We need to get rid of the the war powers commander in chief. We need to be. We need to have the regular de jure operations of the presidential executive office put back in. The war powers executive orders and executive proclamations to give the Oval Office the power of, of an emperor, of, of some kind of imperator with absolute dictatorial powers to write and command the government and the military. Those need to be ended. And also the Article One legislative statute courts and magistrate judges that are being set up all over the country to implement this new military government war powers political doctrine. Those need to be put away, guys. We need to restore the constitutional judiciary. Well, let's get real. And ultimately, two of these things are done. That's why I'm not really very impressed impressed with Robert F. Kennedy when he comes out and says, I'm going to immediately go into there, to the presidency and write executive orders and issue executive orders for this or that. And then Trump says the same thing. Trump goes in there and he, he tells us all about the executive orders he's going to do. And the truth is, is these are all illegal operations and, and everything that has been done by executive orders should be undone, including the FBI. The FBI should be, uh, should be just dismantled guys and we're kind of getting off focus here and our our ability to actually do that and to see that done and to eliminate the jobs and the salaries of certain individuals that are just doing illegal prosecutions of our of political individuals in this country i would say the same thing if they were doing a uh, an, an illegal they just made up charges and they were just going after uh, nancy pelosi on just some made up false grounds just on political grounds just to get her i would say the same thing it's it's unconstitutional it's illegal and to the extent that, you know, she is able to be found guilty of a crime, you know, but to, we can't just make up things to, that hunt and hunt down our political opponents. And if that's what we descend to, then ultimately our country is lost and our republic is is dissolved in that that kind of Hegelian dialectic in the first place. So you have to recognize the most interesting part here of Julie Kelly's comments is simply that she, she's at a 9-11 event last year, 9-11, 2022. And she discusses at the very beginning how awestruck and how devastating and how shaken everyone was at the, with the events of 9-11, but her total belief in the idea that somehow uh, there was some radical Muslim terrorists who knocked those buildings down on 9-11, that doesn't come through. You don't hear her discuss that. Everyone is is now going to go quiet on this idea of Al-Qaeda. We've got to go in there and get Al-Qaeda. We've got to go into Iraq. All those ideas now are going to, even Tucker Carlson just finds himself, you hear him out loud excoriating himself over the idea that he would have applauded that. And, and, and really no one knew any different at the time. No one knew how enthralled we were to the deep state at the time and how in control of our government, skull and bones operatives were like John Kerry and so on and George Bush. And so people weren't totally informed and, and the people hadn't really kind of become aware of the clandestine occult power structure that runs Washington, D.C. And so all this new information is going to come out. It's time for the, the American people to be made aware. And we don't expect you to go. You guys, everyone complains about conspiracy theories. But all I hear uh, on the on the news broadcast is about UFOs. So pretty soon they're going to have you guys believing in reptilians. Or anything else other than getting a real direct look at what we're dealing with here in the United States with the CCP, the Federal Reserve System. And come on, get over with the UFOs. Get over it. 
they have been having these kind of tech, this technology with DARPA. I mean, look at if you go to Area 51, that's where the, the UFO sightings are, right? I mean, get, get a grip. This drone technology, the ability to have fast-moving objects in the sky. And as far as, like, really fast-moving laser <laughs> glowing balls in the atmosphere and the clouds, I mean – these satellites have, have a laser on them, and they can beam a laser into the clouds and move it around really fast. It doesn't mean that there's an alien inside the laser beam, right? The cat, when you, when you have your red dot out and have your little laser pointer at home and your cat pounces around trying to chase and get the dot, the cat is obviously just as mystified as we are about UFOs. So there are the ability of orbitals in orbit to project images down into the atmosphere. They also have crafts, fast-moving, light, unmanned drone crafts. They have them for commercial sales now, and they've had them for the last 20, 20 or 30 years. And everyone thinks that there's UFOs. So just snap out of the delusion so you can break your mind out of the, the, the matrix there that they're trying to put you back into. But ultimately, stop focusing on UFOs. And let's start to focus on the fact that America is being subsumed into this, this coming democide. It's a total destruction of the people for one reason or other. It doesn't matter which side of the, the dialectic you're on. You can be over here. You can be on the right or on the left. You can have black skin. You can have white skin. The plan for you here in America is for you to be destroyed by all this political chaos and by the wars that are ultimately developing overseas. And, and for the plan is for us to have no ability to defend against the invasion. So once they destroy our fleet in Taiwan and around the world, there'll be no sea power there remaining to block the invasion as it slowly moves across the ocean and comes towards America. And that's and the invasion is coming, guys. So I, I need you to focus like a laser on the real politique, not on those delusions or whatever the mass media might drum up for you to believe and, and drink the Kool-Aid. It's time for you to focus on the fact that we have here in, in America lost our way. We're no longer operating on a constitutional government. The powers in our government are no longer balanced by checks and balances to keep the power separated from abuse and from becoming a tyranny. America is now no longer a republic, but an imperium, an empire, and a tyranny over the people. And the, the, those sellout CCP, Obama-worshipping pigs in the FBI are making sure that America goes down the tube instead of doing what ostensibly it should have been created to do, which is defend America's flag and constitution and people. And that is not going to happen. So if we don't step up now, we have to recognize that when they take down Donald Trump and they put him in prison for the rest of his life, that is the duly elected president of the United States of America. And so there's a lot of really good um, discussion and a lot of really good information that Julie Kelly Women leading America's intelligentsia, right, are, are one of our leading bearers of, of the, the modern truth, which is so under persecution, so endangered, so fragile in today's world that, that, that we have this very hidden and, and, and invisible string of truth that is, that is ultimately prevailing over time here. But all the efforts in the world, every tech giant and tech elite, the Silicon Valley, every big bank master who's ultimately trying to direct the American economy into the hands of just a few of the largest banks in the world and into cryptocurrency, right? And all these political pigs out there posturing and pretending and just using weasel words constantly to play act at, you know, being leaders in states and real responsible states persons of, of the American future. And it's their malfeasance over and against their duty to protect and be caretakers and safe guardians of our children's future and as they you know just for fiendish 
temporary avarice and greed. They put all of our children's futures at stake. And so it's, it's such an amazing treachery and, and how deluded they are to go out and, and describe to the world all the rationalizations and the justifications for, for playing the game, you know, supposedly to get Trump or to, to you know, to, to deal a blow to the right side of the Republican politics in America. But really, they're drilling holes into the hole of our entire ship of state and sinking it. And they can make up whatever reason they want and, and they can justify their insanity with whatever, whatever delusions they, they choose to. And so the same thing with transgender people. They can delude themselves any kind of, you know, in any way they see fit and believe anything they truly decide to, to make themselves believe. But the thin, silken string, the hidden string of truth is ultimately going to come out over time. And, and you can't ultimately destroy the entire expression of the, the truth about the events that are occurring. So in every level, they're trying to obfuscate and murder the truth in every corner of social media and corporatized media brainwash all across America. But we have to hear, remember who we are as Americans, remember what America was designed to be and to withstand this small minority, this tiny percentage of neo-Bolsheviks and insane ideologues and Marxists, psychopaths, right, and Obama worshipers who ultimately have now decided they're going to damn us all to this fate of destruction, you know, just, just the way that, uh, uh, you know, it, we're, we're in a position of trust with these people that we've sent up there to, as political leaders or put in positions as judges or, or as law enforcement officers who now hold American citizens enslaved illegally for uh, on trumped up charges. They know that they, they know they got them boxed in and tormented and, and being punished wrongly right so this is a miscarriage of justice in the extreme and these people are well aware of it because their only interest it is to ultimately break the american constitution and break the american people and just t- turn us all into chattel slavery so we'll have no ability ultimately to defend against the encroachment of tyranny without being called white racists or, or christian national radicals or or homegrown terrorists or whatever the nomenclature might be to castigate us and so this is just in a continuation of the same principles that we saw all through the Dark Ages, the principles of the Inquisition, which are there just to, to, to castigate people in the community, to psychologically abuse the community into terror with, with real terrorism, this is state terrorism. They're, they're saying that the people are the terrorists, but this, the terrorists are up in the FBI and in, in the DOJ in Washington, D.C., in, the, Depart- in, in the, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and they're terrorizing the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who they stole the election from and who they're now attempting on every level to send out their little you know, minions and sickening little Gestapo foot soldiers, right, who, who used to be American heroes, but now they're just little Nazi Gestapo pigs running around with their badges and guns trying to, to terrify everyone. And they're getting ready to, to haul the legitimately elected president of the United States away and put him in behind bars. And so far, it's just silence and crickets so far. No one has the courage to say a word about it. And those who do are just going to be destroyed as well. So it's time for the American people to stand up and it's time for us to recognize, you know, what needs to be done. And so these latest comments we're going to play right here are instead of being comments by Julia Kelly from you know, eight or nine months ago, these are more recent comments that she in, in her discussion about the weaponization of the federal government against the people. What's the big idea? I'm grateful that you join us. I'm the congressman from Arizona's fifth congressional district. I am joined today with a great uh, investigative journalist, a great friend, someone who's brought forward many issues that I think are really uh, timely for us, and that's, that's Julie Kelly. She writes for uh, American Greatness, which you can find at amgreatness.com. 
she focuses on on politics. She's J six. Uh, the COVID lockdowns. She's written, the author of two books: "Disloyal Opposition: How the Never Trump Right Tried and Failed to Take Down the President," and "January Six: How Democrats Used the Capitol Protest to Launch a War on Terror Against the Political Right." And boy, have they! And Julie, thanks for joining joining me today. Thank you, Congressman. As always, such a pleasure to be with you, and thank you for all that you're doing in Washington. I know you're one of the hardest-working uh, House members in Congress, so thank you for all that you do. Uh, thank you. That's, that, that's, uh, thanks for the kind words, too. And by, by the way, you are one of the hardest-working journalists, uh, and I, I was telling, ladies and gentlemen, I was telling Julie before uh, we came on the air that um, I read her stuff regularly. She puts it out on AmericanGreatness.com, and and uh, those of you who've heard me talk before, I go every morning early when I'm up and awake and can't sleep. I go through probably 20 news aggregators, and uh, one of the first I go to is always American Greatness. And and Julie's on what every other day almost it seems like uh, with a new piece. And so, uh, we're so I'm so flattered and honored that you'd be with me today. Of course, thank you. So. I want to talk about the piece you put out today, and I and I got to get the the name right, the title of it right. The House GOP needs to take the roadshow home, and it was uh, a reference to uh, the the New York City hearing we had yesterday, and yet even in our, no, our nation's capital, we have uh, a, a rogue U.S. attorney. Julie, tell us what the what the premise of the article is about. So first, I want to say I was very skeptical, a little very skeptical about um, the House, the field hearing yesterday in New York City, how that was going to um, be pulled off and really the value of it. But I was very pleasantly surprised to see how you guys handled that hearing to hear the crime victims and more importantly, to see the heartless crime apologists, the Democrats on that committee who couldn't have cared less about what they were hearing happening to their own city in, in many instances, um, and completely dismissing these heartbreaking stories of what's happening in New York City. So I really commend House Judiciary for that. What my piece suggests today is that you continue some of those hearings, particularly just a few blocks from the Capitol, um, D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves. The Biden-appointed U.S. attorney, Biden campaign advisor, who was appointed to what is arguably the most powerful U.S. attorney's office in the country, because he prosecutes both local and federal crimes. This is very unique for a U.S. attorney. Um, and what he's doing, Congressman, is he is uh, surging resources to continue to prosecute Trump supporters for what they did on January 6th, surging resources towards that prosecution, obviously selective political prosecution, while at the same time, as you know, Washington, D.C. is descending into violent chaos. Um, you have crime rates that are through the roof, armed carjackings, homicides yeah. are at a 20-year high. Um, you go down the list, a category of violent, um, um, violent uh, crimes. Matthew Graves is also responsible for prosecuting those as well, but he has one of the highest declination rates in the country, and you know what that means. Uh, after a criminal or suspect is arrested, he declines to prosecute them. I think his declination rate is 67%, which means two out of three criminals that are arrested, he won't pursue charges against. 
So um, I would argue that the crisis in Washington, D.C., from both angles, the politicization um, of what prosecutors are doing, say Alvin Bragg, um, versus allowing your residents to um, uh, be endangered by rising violent crime, I would argue what Matthew Graves is doing is far worse. Yeah, I want to, you know, just take it home with a couple of anecdotes. I mean, so Rand Paul's had a staffer uh, near the Senate that was was attacked brutally and stabbed. Uh, I've, I've had a friend of mine who uh, I've known since I've come to Congress who, who lives here and was wa- walking along and just gets mugged. And, uh, you know, his, his wallet is taken from him. Now, he did something I'm not sure he should have done. He chased him down to try to get his wallet back. But, I mean... And this happens daily, and like you say, everything from carjackings. I actually had a former staffer text me that that she had been the victim of of an attempted uh, carjacking, literally, again, right over by the Senate. And uh, the the city has descended into crime. It may be one of the most uh, 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 crime-filled big cities in America today. It absolutely is. And this can be laid at the doorstep of Matthew Graves. Um, And so the idea, Congressman, that he is still rounding up Trump supporters. He is pulling U.S. attorneys from other jurisdictions across the country to handle the thousand plus caseload that he has for January 6th. He has threatened, he's told the D.C. courts and the federal public defender's office to prepare for another thousand cases. This is not ending. Um, Yet, to your point, people can't walk around their nation's capital, people who work there go visit, um, with any sense of safety. I used to love to go to Washington, D.C. It's my favorite city. I loved walking around there. It's a very walkable, beautiful city. You go to the monuments. I mean, uh, I'm with a lot of people. I don't feel safe going there at all. You want to just get in and out of there now. Um, So Matthew Graves needs to be held to account for um, the chaotic, violent climate in his city, Furthermore, the selective, political, abusive, vengeful prosecution that he is leading against thousands of Trump supporters simply because they protested Joe Biden's election on January 6th. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And I, and I, I think in some respect we can separate the two, but on one hand, we can't. So on, on one hand, he needs to be held accountable for, like you say, for the crime-riddled Washington, D.C., uh, the nation's capital. But at the same time, and I want to get into this just a, a bit more. I want to explore this uh, this ridiculous um, uh, politicization of all all of the branches of government, for sure, all agencies and, and bureaucracies, but particularly this guy. Um, and by the way, the Democrats who controlled the budget gave him even more money uh, to expand his operations in the last bill because they're in on the grift. They are in on the political attack against people who uh, uh, identify as Trump supporters and those who showed up. Uh, and, and by the way, peaceful protesters. Um, and, and if you don't believe that's the case, just look at what, what happens in these various capitals where we're seeing these uh, uh, anti-Second Amendment rioters show up and the Democrats there are saying these are peaceful protests. That's right. I mean, look at, I'm sure we're both talking about what's happening in Tennessee. Um, I mean, that's a chaotic scene. It's a sort of dangerous scene. Those protesters are organized. They're angry. Um, They're coming 
far closer in contact with lawmakers than anyone did on January 6th. Yet these uh, protesters and the leaders uh, of that, the lawmakers, are heralded as heroes. They're not going to be facing felony obstruction or conspiracy charges. They're not going to be thrown into special prison for years awaiting trial, like we've seen with dozens of January 6th defendants. So, you know, that's the thing that I think people tell me the most that they're outraged about. They want people who are engaged in violence on January 6th to be held accountable But Americans are smart, at least the ones on our side, and they can see this double standard of justice and how unfair it is, unconstitutional and un-American it is. And they want the rules applied equally to everyone, and that's just not what is happening, especially in the January 6th prosecutions. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and I get that every place I go in my district and even out of my district where I go to speak, people will ask me about the January 6th prisoners. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they end up focusing on, I think there's 18, 19 left in the D.C. Uh, the DC prison, but uh, the D.C. jail. But the reality is there are more prosecutions that are going on, as you said. And this, this district, or this U.S. attorney, as I said, he's going to expand the scope of that. This is, this is outrageous. And at the same time, last night, I'm not sure most Americans know this, and I probably wouldn't have known it myself, except for I was down waiting to do my own special order on the floor. But the Black Congressional Caucus held one hour where they praised the, they called them the Tennessee Three, mm-hmm. and they talked about the people who came in, the rioters in Tennessee. They, and you know, I'm not calling them insurrectionists. They weren't insurrectionists any more than the people were on in, uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. They were rioters, the people who got out of control. They were violent. These people were rioters, and the Democrat Black Congressional Caucus last night spent an hour talking about what that they were peaceful protests and that they, that none of these people should be arrested. And that gets to the, your two-tier application of law and narrative that mm-hmm. you were talking about. That's right. Um, You know, the left is just very good at um, warping (laughs) reality uh, and then defending their own. You know, our side just is not very good at that. You still have Republicans who insist on calling January 6th an insurrection, uh, and they they want these people thrown in jail and and the key thrown away. They couldn't tell you the name of defendants or the circumstances of what happened, the totality of what happened that day. Um, But, you know, Congressman, we have political prisoners who have been denied bail and definite incarceration as their trials, as DOJ drags out their trial date. What we have now also are political prisoners who are suffering excessive sentences by Matthew Graves and D.C. District Attorney. One example I have in my piece today is a man, uh, he was 21 years old at the time, no criminal record. He was in the Lower West Tunnel. He took a riot shield. He pinned a police officer uh, for a couple of minutes. Um, We can all agree that's not something we condone, should not have happened. Uh, he was 21-year-old, got involved in this mob mentality. Um, he was, of course, convicted by a judge in a bench trial. Matthew Graves wants this guy to go to jail for 15 years. He has no criminal record. Pinned a police officer. Meanwhile, you have D.C. Metro police officers who are being attacked, you know, night, who are dealing with these thugs nightly. You had a 20-year-old, I wrote in my piece, uh, uh, who already had a rap sheet. Um, and committed two armed carjackings, including a Lyft driver at uh, at gunpoint, stole his car, 
all of his identification, took off in the car, led DC Metro on a police and helicopter chase. What does he end up with? A 10-year sentence, two years served under the Youth Rehabilitation Act. This is the sort of thing that's happening in D.C. They want the book thrown at J6ers while they are, you know, giving these lighter sentences, refusing to even charge violent criminals in our own nation's capital. Um, so that's just one anecdote that's in that piece. I think the yeah. biggest argument is that this is directly under the purview of Congress. Um, they, But to your point, you know, you had, what, 18 Republican senators who voted to give DOJ a $3.5 billion raise. They right. just gave Matthew Graves $34 million to hire at least 100 more lawyers just to work on Jan 6 cases. Um, so uh, I know everybody's got a lot of crises going on, but this is uh, should be towards the top of the list of something House Republicans need to address. Yeah, and I'll tell you why that's true, Julie, is because America has always based its, its freedom on the rule of law. Mm-hmm. And that means uh, a justice is blind. That means justice is not influenced by faction or political party. It means that if you're a, a, a raving Marxist and you're a, a, an uber-conservative, if you do the same type of crime, you're going to be treated the same way. Everything from due process and then, which means the procedures that, that, that you're investigated and, and that you go through in, in trial, protecting your, your, your uh, innocence, mm-hmm. requiring the state to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. A judge who has not formed, a preformed a, a bias against you, is you get to go and have blind justice. And then when you're similarly situated uh, and, you bo- and if both are convicted, they both get similar types of sentences. Uh, you look at the totality, it's not a matter of saying, well, you know what, that guy is uh, uh, January 6th, or he's, he's obviously a crazy MAGA guy, and so uh, I'm going to go after him. You know, uh, and, and at the same time you're saying, oh, this guy was a disadvantaged uh, Marxist who just got out of hand, even though he's got a bad rap sheet. The, the, the issue ultimately is for me is is how do we bring this back? And I think I know how we bring it back. It's how do we get my colleagues to join me in trying to bring this thing back around to where it needs to be. Uh, thoughts on that, Julie? I think it's imperative. And I really, once again, commend you for doing that because I know that you want to. Um, but there are a lot of foot draggers in, yeah. <laughs> in, in your party. Uh, you know, the Senate is useless, but even in, among <laughs> House Republicans, right. I know they don't want to touch this because they, you know, think they are going to get their hands dirty with the insurrectionists. But this is a chronic systemic problem in DOJ and FBI. You're talking about every field office has been involved in these armed raids against people uh, who are not criminals. To your point, they're innocent. Armed raids for people charged with misdemeanors. This is just not anything that has ever happened before. The holding of political prisoners, um, using nonviolent obstruction as uh, you know to turn Trump supporters into felons, tw- you know up to twenty years in prison. Uh, these are just some of the examples of how egregious and unfair this selective prosecution has been. And look, Congressman, not a single one of these trials should be held in Washington, D.C., not one. Matthew Graves has an almost near-perfect conviction rate. D.C. juries are returning in almost every situation, all guilty verdicts, on every count in record time. 
Um, now, these are the same jurors, by the way, who, as you know, make up grand juries. They're signing off on every single criminal indictment, which is why they're going to indict Donald Trump. I mean, this is a city of almost 100% Democrats, and they view January 6th very differently than the rest of the country. So, but every judge has declined every single change of venue motion, even now that we're 14 months in since the first trials began. They know how, what a layup it is for these prosecutors to convince a jury to convict, yet they refuse to move a single trial out of Washington, D.C. It's a banana republic. These are totally rigged systems against these people. I, my heart breaks for them every day because they just have no shot at fair justice, a jury of their peers, due process, presumption of innocence, everything that we, especially Republicans, are supposed to protect and you have none of that happening with most Republicans in Washington. They've completely turned a blind eye um, to the destruction of the uh, of the rights of these defendants. Yeah, and you know, Julie, uh, some of the legislation that I've explored and tried to see if I could get uh, uh, some momentum for are things like a, a, an automatic change of venue. I've even thought about uh, eliminating the, the federal district court in Was of Washington, D.C., which we can do under Article 3, Section 1. Why? Because I just don't think if you're a conservative anymore, no matter what the charge, whether you're a J6er or not, if you are a Republican conservative, if you were to be charged by, with something in Washington, D.C., I don't think you get a fair trial. Yeah. I, think, I think an effort to go after somebody like a Donald Trump or uh, like a member of Congress Who's a, who's a conservative Republican, you couldn't get a fair trial. Nobody, nobody uh, who is heterodox to the radical leftist orthodoxy of Washington, D.C. is going to get a fair trial. So uh, I, I've thought about collapsing that district court and, and, and doing uh, splitting the Ninth Circuit, which I've something I've long wanted to do. But, to, you know, that's... Those are types of things, and, I, I, you know, we're not, I'm not getting the traction amongst my colleagues. I... And so I've kind of just held off because, uh, you know, it's not going to get a, a, even a hearing. So, uh, but I think those are some avenues that would be corrective if we can get enough of my colleagues to understand uh, what happens with these, with these individuals because they're not getting fair trial. Look, I, I've met with some of them, and, and, and I've, I've gone back and looked at videos. And in, fact, in fact, I called you one, one day. Uh, I had my staff call you and say, Where's, ask Julie where we should be looking, you know. Uh, in the videos, and, and we're almost out of time, so i got to get to that real quick. But as I watched it, I said, you know, that person, those people, there's a group of people there, they're rioting, they, and they, they're going to get sentenced. I mean, hopefully proportionate instead of the... But then you have other people who are clearly technical violations of, of, uh, of a misdemeanor trespass or something like that. It's very different seeing what's, what's going on when you can see the video. And so I wanted to ask you this. I've urged uh, the speaker um, to actually let all of this video out into the public view and I, uh, domain. And, and, and the reason is I think there's crowdsourcing. We could, we could get to the bottom of things, both, both good and bad, pro and con, let the warts and let the chips fall where they may. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I appreciate that so much. It's something I've been fighting for since I think um, 
spring of 2021, when they first revealed the existence of these originally 14,000 hours they were keeping under protective orders, now it's 44,000. Um, it's imperative that the American people who have been so misled by the media, by the Biden regime, and especially the January 6th Select Committee, they've been so misled, they deserve to see for their own eyes this video. Now, they don't need to see all the video. We only need to see the portions relevant to the inside and outside of the Capitol building starting on January 5th, all through that evening, through the morning of January 6th, and up until Congress, the joint session reconvened about 8 o'clock. Um, we deserve to see that. So um, I applaud you for that. I hope that Speaker McCarthy fulfills his promise. Um, this is also uh, in the court system right now. You actually, shockingly, have a big group of major news corporations who are suing the DOJ and FBI um, for this footage. They want to see it now that Tucker Carlson had it. They want it wow. now. Um, so it might resolve itself that way. Um, but, uh, you know, this January 6th is being used in many destructive ways, not just to go after President Trump eventually, uh, but the destruction, destruction of thousands of lives and the criminalization of political dissent. This is the precedent that is being set. So if we're going to go down that road, we're going to let DOJ, Matthew Graves, and the FBI, and the D.C. District Court, to your point, allow this, um, then we better fight back. And the best way to do it is just transparency. Show the tapes, let people make their own conclusions, and raise more questions um, about uh, actually what happened that day. Well, Julie, uh, uh, thanks for joining me. We're out of time. It went by very fast. It always goes by fast. Uh, <laughs> Julie just knows so much. and. And shares uh, shares the stuff. She's very eloquent on these issues. Hey, Julia, if somebody wanted to follow you on social media, what would they do? Thanks again for having me. So all my work is at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I'm on Twitter a lot, Julie underscore Kelly, too, where I update what's happening in trials and post-court motions, et cetera. Um, and I'm on Truth Social at Julie Kelly, too. Well, th thanks again, Julie. It's It's been great having you with me. i gotta I got to look this up because you're better than me. I'm at Twitter and Truth at uh, at Twitter at, at Rep Andy Biggs AZ and Truth at Rep Andy Biggs. So we can see how much work Julie Kelly does to bring to light the the hyper political weaponization of our government, especially in the judiciary, and especially around Washington D.C., where you can see that the entire apparatus of the the government is in the hands of in the hands of the extreme left, so that the the radicalism of the this new neo-Bolshevik conspiracy working within the the deep state apparatus, obviously the deep state power structure, in as much as the the entire system of justice in the United States is completely undermined and and really deposed and destroyed, so that you can see that the process of lawlessness and the debasement of our country is is underway. And Julie Kelly goes a long way to show how the January 6th defendants are really victims of this weaponization as it really gets out of control. And in my mind, the destruction of democracy and representative popular government in the, the United States and con the, the Constitutional Republic as it is, that process has been underway for a long time. It's a process of owning the elite and it's this Jesuitical undermining of all the institutions of our, that buttress our entire government. And so all the checks and balances are, are unmoored and out of control. And, and, and there's a multi-tier justice system now in place so that you have no hope of ultimately seeing reasonable justice in the world as crime gets out of control. 
and the murder rate in Washington, D.C. goes off the chart. They're spending all their time hunting through videos, trying to find anyone that they can pin some kind of white nationalist January 6th, you know, American terrorist case on them. The exposure of the the monstrosity in Washington, D.C. and how it stands poised to use its mechanisms and its leverage and its manpower and its billions of hollow point bullets up at the Homeland Security offices or whatever, right? Ultimately to exterminate the American people. And I thought that's something that the people haven't really kind of comprehended yet, that, that this whole process of deliberately debasing and demoralizing and publicly vandalizing the American constitutional uh, government and the proud legacy of that and breaking down one step at a time the principles and tenets of the founding documents and the Constitution of the United States and in the process exhausting and provoking the American people in the extreme so that you have to recognize that the end goal and the intention with that already in mind and and the plans already laid out for the wholesale murder and the Tiananmen squaring of the American people, especially those ones who are trying to get back the de jure constitutional republic that they once fought so, their ancestors and our forefathers fought so, you know, bravely and gave their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor in order to establish and protect. And so we need to recognize now that this, our battle for, for liberty and for freedom and for American constitutional political independence is existential. They only have to wear us out and basically break the back of the American people with unfunded liabilities that are out of control, just starting with hospital bills alone, with just millions and millions and millions of undocumented workers absorbing all the payroll wages, less and less going into the government coffers in the way of taxes as, as the economy goes down and jobs are becoming more and more scarce. The tax base just dries up and disappears. And so the downward spiral of American economic destruction has already really begun. And in the wake of that, and in the timing and the kind of scientific calculus of America's default over time, and the gradual weight of that on the American people, the ones who have social security cards, social security numbers, birth certificates, right? All the other people that are just walking around don't have those documents are not really liable for that debt, not technically. So that's why I always say the hypothecation of the American people and their children's liberties and futures, it's the monetizing of the, the souls of your children as they're born. Remember Kevin McCarthy showing the little infant baby that had been born and talking about how much money that baby owed and this debt and how immoral it was? And now look where we are now. They just caved. So it's, it's individuals like this, like Julie Kelly here, who are really the pride and joy of America and the, 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 actual, the actual literal light of American intellectual power. It's not in necessarily in our wallets and our buying power, but it's in our knowledge and the information economy and the intelligence base of our people. And we, we have to get it together. We have to learn quickly how to deal with an out-of-control, tyrannical government in control of the Department of Justice. Ultimately, these are the people that are supposed to be brandishing weapons at us for our good, for the protection of the neighborhood, you know, for law enforcement purposes, uh, the professional door kickers, right? And SWAT teams, the ultimate command structure by which people are incarcerated in prison and their lives taken away, and their lives taken away if they resist it by, with hollow point bullets, right? I mean, this is pretty serious stuff. So you're telling me that these people have gotten control of our security apparatus and our, now we're in, we're in a, a, 
at the whims of the World Health Organization to just suddenly become a biosecurity state and, and, and a turnkey tyranny by which the big pharma military industrial complex has us all uh, with, with our backs up against the wall on our knees here, blindfolds. I mean, what's happening here? So we have to look to people who will tell us the truth, like Julie Kelly. For free, when you subscribe today at bravebooks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Great America Show. I'm Lou Dobbs, and delighted to have you with us as we all fight to preserve truth, justice, and the American way. And as usual, we have a lot to take up here. Let's start with another top-secret document scandal, but this time not involving presidents or vice presidents, or at least not as far as we know now. But as they say, stay tuned. Here's what we do know about a hundred top-secret documents, apparently all of them originating from the Pentagon, U.S. intel documents on everything from Ukrainian air defense emplacements to assessments of Russian and Chinese Mideast geopolitical policies. Or, as the Biden regime often claims, it's just all Russian disinformation. Vice President Kamala Harris going to Nashville, Tennessee, there to meet with Democrat lawmakers, two of whom are black and who were expelled from the GOP-led General Assembly because they led a demonstration on the assembly floor against gun rights. Tensions rising in Nashville, and you just know, with Obama also tweeting and Harris actually on the road, the Marxist Dems are planning something. The Biden regime has no plans to do anything about the J6 defendants still held prisoner in the D.C. Gulag. Some of them have been there, as we know, for more than two years, and still no trial. Prosecuted by mad Marxists and the Merrick Garland DOJ, and soon to be sentenced by corrupt D.C. District Court judges who've managed to preside over almost 70 convictions and only one exoneration in the Stalinist Jan 6 scandal which will be a stain on the Marxist-Dem party for all time. The plight of the hundreds of J6 political prisoners, the heartless, vicious Marxist-Dem's prosecutors, judges, and jailers, would never have had the public's attention without the superb reporting of journalist Julie Kelly. She's our guest here today. She's senior writer for AmericanGreatness.com. She authored the terrific book, January 6, How Democrats Use the Capitol Protest to launch a war on terror against the political right. Julie, delighted to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. Thanks for joining us. Overseeing the viciousness of the Marxist-left prosecution of these political prisoners held in the disgusting and often brutal conditions is none other than Attorney General Merrick Garland. Your thoughts, Julie? Well, Lou, look, uh, I... Merrick Garland is to the Department of Justice what Joe Biden is to the presidency and the White House, uh, just merely a figurehead being told what to do. Uh, I think the idea was to give the DOJ some sort of grandfatherly look, this wise old man who was supposed to be on the Supreme Court, a thoughtful, careful, um, objective, uh, uh, you know, lawman. Law um but look, he, he's really none of those things. He never has a straight answer for anything. He constantly gets his facts wrong. I think he was just caught up either today or earlier this week when he was pressed about the um, threat tag that was applied to parents protesting at school boards. He never could get a straight answer or timeline about that. 
And then today he was asked um, by Representative Andrew Clyde directly about the um, incarceration, indefinite incarceration, Lou, of American citizens who have been arrested and charged for their involvement in January 6th, some of whom have been in jail for over two years, denied bail at Merrick Garland's prosecutor's request. As the same Department of Justice plays every trick in the book to delay those trials, when he was asked about how people can be in jail for more than two years without a trial, innocent men not convicted of anything, he had no idea what Andrew Clyde was talking about. And he spewed some nonsense about Sixth Amendment rights and their speedy trial rights. And if those rights are being denied, the defense attorneys have, you know, ways that they can speed the trial along or the, the clock anyway. And ultimately, it's up to the judge, which is, of course, true. But these are his prosecutors going to the court system repeatedly, at least 100 times, Lou, seeking pretrial detention even for nonviolent offenders. Uh, and Merrick Garland, once again, could not answer because he's not running the show. The people running the show are Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, a longtime Obama loyalist, and Matthew Graves, who is the uh, United States Attorney for the District of Columbia. That's the office handling every single January 6th case. Unbelievable. Uh, Garland is, you say, uh, clueless. Uh, he is a figurehead. But he seems to me, Julie, frankly, to be far more than that. He seems, he seems unquestionably to be mendacious, uh, venal, uh, and he, ha he consciously, it appears to me, is lying. I can't imagine being unaware of those circumstances if he, unless he doesn't read the Washington Post or, or watch uh, his favorite left-wing uh, newscast. Can you? Um, I, I actually can honestly believe I agree with you. I think he's a malicious man. I think he's a petty man, much like Joe Biden. Um, I think he doesn't care about the rights of, of these defendants simply because they are American citizens who protested Joe Biden's election. Um, but the fact that he was not prepped for this or had any kind of good answer and stumbled around Sixth Amendment uh, mumbo jumbo um, you know, but honestly, Lou, Congress has let Merrick Garland get away with this for two years. As soon as the Department of Justice started seeking pretrial detention, denying bail for even nonviolent offenders, they should have heard from Republicans in Congress denouncing this as cruel and unusual punishment, violating their Fourth Amendment, Sixth Amendment rights. You know, a lot of these dozens of them were held in this fetid, uh, abusive D.C. gulag uh, held in solitary confinement conditions for months on end, and no one said anything except a handful of House members like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Louis Gohmert uh, and Paul Gosar. But otherwise, there was complete silence. And so, you know, the, there's there's plenty of, of blame to be placed. Uh, Merrick Garland is not one of them. It's Lisa Monaco and Matthew Graves, his prosecutors, and also every single judge on the D.C. District Court. Every single one, I believe, has signed off on pretrial detention orders, whether it's someone charged with conspiracy, obstruction of an official proceeding, assaulting police officers, 
look, if you assaulted police officers who weren't assaulting you, by the way, which was happening uh, at, at many uh, different vantage points on January 6th, of course, we want the rule of law. We want law enforcement respected and we want those people held accountable. But someone accused of pepper spraying a police officer does not warrant staying in jail for two plus years as you're awaiting trial. What they're trying to do is torment these men into plea deals, which they're not taking. Then they're going back to the court. They're adding charges. They're adding defendants. They're saying they haven't fulfilled their discovery obligations, which is a whole other uh, you know, scandal in and of itself. Um, but the Department of Justice runs the D.C. courthouse. Those judges are nothing more than a rubber stamp. So, of course, they're in cahoots to deny uh, the, the due process rights of these American citizens simply because they protested Joe Biden's rigged election on January 6th. There is nothing approaching uh, speedy justice uh, in, this, in this entire tragedy. And what I guess I'm asking you is, why have we not been able to come up with a solution? Why has not the Republican Party, veterans associations, whatever it takes, why in the hell haven't we been able to come up with some way to mitigate the awful, evil uh, harm that has been done to hundreds of our fellow citizens by this warped, perverted, and sadistic group of judges and federal prosecutors? Yes, yeah, so sadistic is the word I use a lot. After more than two years of covering the hearings, the initial hearings, whether they were just arraignments or pretrial detention hearings, then morphing into plea hearings and now trials, I can tell you these prosecutors and judges, they are really gratified by inflicting pain on these people. They think that they are better than these people. Uh, they consider them really deplorables. You know, I've listened to the chief judge say to one man, you drove here all the way from Texas. They consider Washington, D.C., not the nation's capital, a city that belongs to all Americans. It is their personal, professional, and political fiefdom. And how dare Trump supporters leave their backwater farms, you know, from Indiana or wherever and come into the vaunted you know, sanctuary of Washington, D.C. This is how they've addressed and handled these cases. But let's talk for a minute about Matthew Graves. He's a Biden campaign advisor appointed by Joe Biden to head arguably the most powerful U.S. attorney's office in the country. Um, there's a Washington Post article out this week blasting Graves for ha having by far the highest prosecutorial declination rate, meaning declining to prosecute criminals in Washington, D.C. It's, I think, three times as high as Cook County, uh, Illinois. So he's being blasted for letting criminals on the loose. Well, of course he is, because his office is too busy prosecuting, you know, 60-year-old women from Washington or Indiana or Virginia, which they just are charging this week, for walking into the Capitol building for 15 minutes, 26-plus months ago, committing no violent crime. Uh, the overwhelming majority, Lou, of these people have no criminal record. They didn't even know they were committing a crime. And yet their lives are being destroyed at the hands of Matthew Graves, who at the same time is letting the nation's capital descend into violence, lawlessness, mayhem, Look at what happened to a top staffer for Rand Paul over the weekend. 
He's walking out of a restaurant at 5.30 in the evening in a nice area of town and is stabbed in the head by a criminal, longtime criminal, who had just been released from prison. I mean, he had life-threatening injuries, the Washington Post reported. So you have these truly violent, true domestic terrorists, Lou, on the loose in our nation's capital, while Matthew Graves and Lisa Monaco brand anyone involved in January 6th as a domestic terrorist. I mean, this is the sort of double, it's not even double standard, it's just sheer dystopian, um, something that's never occurred in American history. Um, And yes, Republicans were far too late in saying anything. Welcome back. We're talking with Julie Kelly, senior writer for American Greatness. You use the word dystopian. Uh, I think it's a a perfectly uh, good description of what has happened to our federal government because it is uh, corruption is pervasive, not the just just the Justice Department, not just the FBI, our court system, our prosecutors. The ugliness has spilled across the federal court system, the uh, and to the post office, to the IRS, you name it. Almost every agency is blighted uh, with uh, corruption, and much of it uh, Marxist-inspired. Uh, And that's not hyperbole in any way, folks, as you know. Uh, That is what is going on here uh, as this this Democrat Party tries to destroy what is fundamentally America. Uh, Your reaction, Julie, to it all? Um, I mean, I think the left, to your point, they are Marxist, call them communists, I think, or socialists certainly is too kind of a word. I mean, this is how a authoritarian Marxist regime exercises its power in the cruelest way possible, while the other side cowers in fear, and, you know, they throw little darts here and there that they know aren't going to stick because they don't have the courage to do what needs to be done. I mean, look, we were here, you know, almost three months after Republicans have been sworn into power. I haven't heard one hearing about January 6th, having any of these defendants or their family members come before the American people, explain what the Department of Justice and FBI have done to them, to their families, to their businesses and their communities. None of that has been happening. Um, And so, you know, as I said, everyone has a little bit to blame, but the left is being fully exposed for what it is. And I think a lot, a large swath of the American public is waking up to this as well. When you have a poll that came out Rasmussen earlier this month, 61% of Americans think that federal assets provoked the events of January 6th. Um, And also now realizing the degree of cover-up of January 6th, whether it's hidden surveillance videos, numerous FBI informants. Now we have video of undercover Washington, D.C. police officers chanting with the crowd pushing people towards the building. Um, These are just some of the things that make Americans scratch their head and go, wait a second. You know, maybe what we thought we saw on January 6th wasn't actually the truth. Now, Democrats will never believe that because they're sheep and they're programmed to believe and regurgitate whatever they're told. Um, But other critical thinking Americans, fair thinking Americans, are waking up to the fact that this was probably one of, if not 
uh, the greatest scandals in American history, an attempt to not just permanently overthrow Donald Trump and make sure he never returns to office, but drive a fatal stake in the heart of the MAGA movement. To that degree, they've not been successful. So that's why you see Matthew Grace threatening to round up another thousand plus Americans related to uh, January 6th. Matthew Graves, uh, Monaco, I mean, you look at this this uh, list of uh, characters uh, that is uh, embedded in Washington, D.C. This is the Obama administration, the third term, isn't it? Um, gee, if only. I mean, I, you know, you look back at the Obama years, I mean, certainly they weaponized agencies, the IRS and EPA mm-hmm. against their uh, political foes. But I can't imagine Obama even getting away with, with all of this. January 6th has such a taint to it. It was so poisonous for any Republican early on to touch and to say anything but it was a, an insurrection. It was a riot. You know, Kevin McCarthy went to the floor and said that Donald Trump was responsible for this. What people were afraid of, I truly believe. Uh, was the big lie that was established first and put and, and repeated endlessly in the national corporatist media. And we all have to acknowledge who they are. These are corporations, billion-dollar corporations that once were U.S. multinationals, now they're global multinationals, and their allegiance isn't to anything American. Uh, you can't rationalize who the owners of all this media is. 95% of it is left, left-wing. left Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and corporations now, they have adopted Marxist philosophies through their HR departments, uh, through the their leadership, uh, whether it's you know whoever it's you know Larry Fink or whomever on Wall Street pushing uh, ESG and all of this nonsense. We are being overwhelmed in this country with the madness of Marxism, and there is just there's no. And, and we just don't even acknowledge it in our in our own discussion sometimes. And when I say our own, I'm talking about those of us who are patriotic, who are conservative, who are independent, uh, who are Republican. Do you not agree? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the betrayal uh, is on many levels here. Um, but look, I will say, getting back to what we can consider some encouraging news, is that I think the January 6th narrative is, is unraveling very quickly. And you could see the panic in the media, especially after Tucker Carlson played some of those clips that very clearly debunked uh, compelling narratives about that day. Um, you see the presence, the uh, bombshell revelations about FBI informants coming out in the Proud Boys seditious conspiracy trial. Um, you see, I mean, one thing that blew me away, Lou, is the song at the January 6th choir, you know, the men who were incarcerated in the D.C. Gulag, I I reported on this in the spring of 2021, they called me at Mm -hmm. home and I recorded it, um, singing the national anthem every night at 9 o'clock. So they recorded that with an overlay of Donald Trump doing the Pledge of Allegiance. It it sprung up to number one on Spotify, then on Billboard, taking out, you know, artists like Morgan Wallen and, and Taylor Swift. Um, so, and, and you see him making this sort of a campaign issue. He talks about it during his rally over the weekend. Um, so Republicans are going to come kicking and screaming to to confront um, the, 
the horrors of January 6th, the lies um, and the, the falsehoods about it and everyone who's been involved in manufacturing that because this is such a big issue, I think, for the base. Now, I have to confess, I haven't seen Tucker Carlson's show in uh, some time, a couple of weeks at least. I saw the, the initial video. Has there been any since then? Um, there's not been more video released. I don't know if Tucker's team has more clips that they're kind of holding on to. I think the good thing about the clips that were initially aired is that, you know, you can't just show the clip, right? You have to tell the story with it. Mm-hmm. So telling me that the entire travesty of what happened to Jacob Chansley, not just that he was lured around this building, but that he spent 300 plus days in solitary confinement until the DOJ tormented a plea deal out of him on a nonviolent felony obstruction of an official proceeding and then sentenced to 41 months in jail. I mean, that's the, you know, that all came into context. So I don't know if his team has more, um, but I do know that Congress House members are looking at that video. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is actually a court filing the press coalition, which is a major uh, um consortium of the biggest news corporations in the country have now asked a federal judge finally to take the protective order off all the surveillance video so the media can see it for themselves and that's pending before judge rudy Contreras right now um and he might rule on that soon that will be another game changer what kind of judge is he Well, Rudy Contreras, you might remember, was the judge who signed off on Mike Flynn's plea deal and then recused himself because text messages between Peter Schock and Lisa Page uh, revealed that he was friends, either friends or neighbors, with with Lisa Page. So he recused himself uh, from the Flynn case. He also sat on the FISA court. He did not sign any of the FISA warrants against Carter Page, but he was on the FISA court. Um, so, you know, he hasn't managed a lot of big cases, um, but he's got a pretty significant one before him right now, a man named William Pope, who is defending himself, and he's actually making some really good headway against the government right now, and that's why the Press Coalition uh, joined his case to basically say, uh, okay, the time's up, it's been over two years, uh, we want to see all, all the surveillance footage. You know... And he has to beg for that. I mean, this is madness that we consider that, frankly, uh, some sort of progress. Uh, This is is an outrage. Two years in the making, these people caught up as political prisoners of a a party uh, that once called itself democratic. Uh, Then they try to play like they're progressives. They're nothing more than authoritarian, totalitarian, Marxist, and they're loving this. They're absolutely loving it. Chuck Schumer is in his heyday. Uh, and, and with him, now in something of her leisure, Nancy Pelosi. We are watching the vilest display of indifference to the, to the lives and the families of American citizens. I could, I could never have imagined this in America, Julie, ever. And no one is doing a thing. Is there any, and I know you've got to feel, you've got to be, you've got to be more frustrated than I am, but for us to be helpless in the face of wanton totalitarianism and and Marxism on display without apology, uh, without shame, 
I, I don't understand what this country's come to. I really don't. Um, I will say, I think I was more disheartened two years ago when I started covering this and, and nothing was happening mm-hmm. uh, than I, I am, quite frankly, now. Because I think that people like Matthew Graves, I think his name is becoming, you know, more public. Uh, I think you, we see that Merrick Garland is not capable, that there are people behind the scenes that are doing this. A left-wing jury sitting in the occupied territory of Washington, D.C., we have a 90, what is it, 97% Democratic vote in that city? We are watching a, a, a an absolute Soviet show trial every time they call the court to order. Let's not give them the due that we would uh, and respect uh, of any court with a jury of peers, uh, with a judge who is fair, who is balanced and impartial. These are nothing more than left-wing Marxist thugs working every day to destroy this country. I really believe that. And maybe that's an overstatement, but it isn't by much. Do no, you think? I, no, I agree with you. I have a piece up today. Um, you know, I say it's time to shine a light in the D.C. Uh, just in the D.C. federal courthouse. These trials and hearings should be available to the American public. If January 6th, is comparable to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, as Merrick Garland says, and Joe Biden and the national news media says, then the American people should be able to see what's happening in the trials of those they believe are responsible for this terrorist attack. I was able to listen to all the hearings throughout 2021 under COVID rules. Uh, every judge, judge's courtroom had a public access line I could call in and listen. Suddenly, before the trials began, Beryl Howell, chief judge at the time, um, shut off those public access lines. You cannot hear or see anything happening in these courtrooms unless you go to Washington, D.C., go through a very extensive security checkpoint, as I have done numerous occasions, go sit in a tiny courtroom without any access to your electronic device, or you could go in the press room, which is usually pretty crowded. That's the only way you could see what's going on. And God forbid you would want to cover a couple of different trials at one time or bounce back and forth. You can't do that. So now the D.C. Appellate Court, you can listen to it on YouTube. When I covered the Whitmer fednapping hoax in uh, Michigan, a federal trial, I called in every day and could hear what's going on. Why are these trials and hearings being held basically in secret? Um, so that's something else I've urged House members to do, to appeal to the new chief judge, James Bosberg. And ask him to open up. We need more transparency in these court proceedings. Put the public access lines back uh, in service. Let people and independent journalists call in and and report in live time. Because I'll tell you, Lou, the American people could hear what's going on. There would be more rallies in the streets. Because these are kangaroo courts. Uh, with struggle sessions where judges and prosecutors force Americans to repent for the sin of trusting and supporting Donald Trump and um, objecting to the rigged election of Joe Biden. That's the sort of, that's just one thing that's happening there. So, um, you know, Um, that's that's something the House could do, but I don't think that they will. Why don't you think they will? You know, I mean, look, House Republicans have a lot on their plate. I don't dispute that at all from what's the revelations about the 
fam- the Biden fam- crime family, um, you know, to trying to get some sort of uh, um, accountability for COVID and the lockdowns, and then what's happening with our military, the deadly withdrawal of Af- Afghanistan. You know, they have a lot on their plate. But I would argue, aside from the open border travesty, January 6th and this uh, uh, January 6th prosecution is the biggest crisis in America right now because we are setting precedents, including, as I said, the complete destruction of executive privilege for a United States president. That is what these judges are doing. When you take away executive privilege claims for your own attorneys, for your vice president, your chief of staff, your national security advisor, your director of national intelligence. Um, you know, this has happened to House Republicans like Scott Perry. The FBI just snatched his cell phone out of his hand the day after the Mar-a-Lago raid, uh, extracted its contents, gave it back to him, and he's fighting to get it back. And Beryl Howell said, no, you don't get executive privilege claims for this because under the speech and debate clause, simply because you're a member of Congress. I mean, they are eradicating privilege claims. Um, that have been honored, you know, for for two hundred some odd years, probably not that long. But Beryl, uh, Beryl Howell has been at the uh, at the forefront of those decisions to strip executive privilege from uh, from the president. What other judges come to mind? Who who else has been complicit in that uh, obvious effort, partisan effort, ideological effort? Right. So Beryl Howell is the biggest culprit. Um, another one is Tanya Chutkin. So she was the one who initially um, rejected Trump's executive privilege claims just overall for documentations and records related to January 6th. Her order was upheld by the appellate court. Now we have a new ruling with James Bosberg, the new chief judge, which is not an encouraging sign, denying Mike Pence's claims of executive privilege and piercing that privilege to force him to go before the grand jury and testify about private communications he had with the president about January 6th. The other day, Donald Trump in a rally uh, in Waco, Texas, said that either we will defeat the deep state or the deep state will defeat us. It's that straightforward. It's that stark. He's right, isn't he? Oh, yes. he's, He's completely right. And, I mean, I think Donald Trump could win on, on this sort of issue alone. Um, you know, unfortunately, when he had the chance to clean house, he didn't. But maybe right. he's learned those lessons and, uh, you know, will move forward with very specific plans about what he will do. And I think he needs to start by dismantling the FBI and completely shutting down the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. Yeah, and I think uh, stripping up the uh, stripping out the Department of Justice wholesale, uh, it is a it is a, a den of vipers uh, in every every quarter of that department. <laughs>